0: Dr. Ashley. I'm Sherry. And this is from her point of view.
1: Hey girl, how you doing?
0: (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I am great. So we're gonna start with a conversation that is near and dear to hopefully most of our audience, as this is a podcast that comes from a woman's point of view. We're going to discuss a woman's worth. Yes. And um, I think it's important to present and and explore that, because as women, we're active contributors to and participants in the attainment and maintenance of the health, comfort and prosperity of other people. You know, Mm -hmm. the people in our communities, communities being our home, our family, our workplace, friends, extended family. But that can be to the detriment of that woman because while she's taking care of everybody else she could be neglecting herself and then with that neglect it's manifested in things that are rampant in the black community where high blood pressure weight gain we have physical and mental breakdowns Mm -hmm. is also demonstrated in what
1: we tolerate and allow in our intimate relationships not only in our intimate relationships, but what we project upon others, like people can be totally innocent in our lives. But because we have a few bad seeds, per se, present, we allow the negativity that they bring and put upon us to be put upon people who have nothing to do with that. That's our children, uh, you know, our parents, our friends, our co-workers. So that's an interesting point that you make. Um, But yes, a woman's worth is something that we definitely need to touch upon. I know for me personally, I've been running into a lot of different conversations that make me question what we are doing as women with how we value ourselves. And what is it that we're putting out into the world to make people think that it's okay to treat us the way that they treat us, good or bad? More so bad than good, because that's why the conversation is being had. But what is it that we're putting out in the atmosphere to make people assume that this is okay?
0: So what have you heard? What have you heard or what conversations have you had that have made you feel that way?
1: So for example, I have a friend who I was talking to recently who is in a relationship with someone who I, the way that I put it is that they're looking for companionship. They're not looking for a relationship.
0: Who's looking for companionship and who's looking for the relationship.
1: So the woman is looking for relationship. The man is looking for companionship. The man is much older than the woman. So you would think that with age comes wisdom, as they say. And that this man would want to settle down, you know, be with someone, you know, long term and kind of just be happy. Right. But because the option of being out there is out there, he chooses that life over the stability of being with this one woman who loves him dearly. So I asked her, why is it that you stay? Why is it that you continue to endure what this man throws your way, which is shady as fuck? Why? And she basically said, I don't know. And I don't know was just so, it was so much more confusing that you didn't know why you allow yourself to be in this place. Because she was hurt. She'll argue this man down. About what he's doing and what he's not doing, and he ain't coming in the house on time, and he ain't answer his phone, and and all of this stuff. But yet, you continue to let him lay your bed. You continue to let him come in and out. You might argue with him on Monday, but on Tuesday, y'all buddy buddy all over again, like it never happened. But yet, you're miserable, and you find yourself running the streets trying to find him because. He's out here doing whatever he's doing. And like you're disappointed in yourself, but you're not doing anything to make the change. So what talking to her and having this conversation, I was really baffled. And don't get me wrong, I can't give no relationship advice. I can't uh tell you that what you're doing is is necessarily wrong if it works for you. But when it doesn't work for you, at what point do you change it? And she was just so lost. She had no idea where to begin. And that's where the woman's worth came into play. And I just basically told her that you have to value yourself more than you value this, this man in this makeshift relationship that you have because he just wants companionship. He wants someone that he can come and lay with at night when he want to lay with somebody that's on deck to have dinner when he want to have dinner or watch a movie when he want to watch a movie. But then when he want to do what he want to do, you got to fall back. So if you can't get with the program, then you need to get another program because this one ain't it. And that was basically how that conversation ended. And so how do you think that
0: demonstrates how she feels about herself?
1: I, about her felt I felt like she felt bad she it may not have resonated at the moment but when you sit back and really think like this person loves me meaning me loving this person and I'm just being honest because I, I care for you I'm sure she sat back and thought like what am I doing why do I let this man do what he does to me and now she has to do some soul searching and really figure out why she continues to stay in a relationship that's not fulfilling, basically.
0: And that goes back to what I said about, about a woman's worth and how what we feel or how we feel about ourselves is demonstrated in what we tolerate and what we allow in an intimate relationship. For example, like you might allow your, your partner to slack or in providing support and companionship but you stick around you allow them to speak and treat you any kind of way but you stick around you allow them to talk to you in a way that you probably wouldn't even allow colleagues and strangers to talk to you mm-hmm. but you stick around and this is supposed to be you know, one of the people that's closest to you who love you so With that being said, she can enumerate all the things that are going on. Clearly, you can clearly see all the things that are happening, but you can't see the clear trajectory of how to get out or how to deal with it in a way that you're going to have to decide whether you're either going to accept that, take it for what it is, not beat him up about it all the time because
1: you have accepted that behavior Mm -hmm. or get out. And see, the get out part is the hardest part. A lot of people have come accustomed to the dysfunction of the relationship. So you'd rather be with a man who disrespects you time and time again just to have a warm body to lay next to. That's not okay. So then you got to really question yourself and in, in, in why you accept that type of behavior. For her, I feel like a big part of it is that she lacks self-esteem. Although she she wants this relationship to work and it, it's not working, she doesn't feel like she's worthy enough to get someone else to be in a relationship with. So the fear of being alone conquers her ability to remove herself from this situation that's hella toxic. And well, so she stays.
0: One of the ways that we can demonstrate that we value ourselves or that we understand our self-worth is by doing the work that needs to be done before we get into relationships. That That's not always something that can happen. I know, you know, things happen. You get, you meet somebody, you like them, you know, you move forward. So, so on and so forth. But when you start recognizing these things that I'm willing to put up with this, this, and this, so that I'm not alone. There's a deeper issue there. So, you have to really work on yourself before you can even be the type of partner, the type of partner that, you know, for someone else, let alone understanding what you
1: need or you know what I'm saying? No, I get it. And when you say work on yourself, a lot of people don't know what that means. They don't even know where to begin with that. What right. is work on myself? There are people who have had who have been in relationships since they can remember 10 11 12 years old and every time you've been with someone now you're 40 and you can't remember what it was like to even be single because you've never had that experience so at what point did you have time to focus on yourself to figure out what you like what you don't like you know what you want to tolerate what you're not going to tolerate and we'll talk about deal breakers and things like that later but You never got a chance to grasp the understanding of your own needs. So your needs are predicated based upon who you're with. You do what they do, whether you like it or not. And you don't even recognize that you have basically lost, and I'm going to say this the wrong way, individuality. (laughs) You can go ahead and correct me.
0: Individuality.
1: Yes, you have lost that. So you have, yes, you have no idea. And that's why it's so hard to be alone because that's an unfamiliar territory for you. So that's why I said it's better to be in a dysfunctional relationship than to be alone because being alone is like unknown. How does that work? What does that look like? They have no idea. But I think it's important to recognize that and to say, like, it's okay, like, to step outside and try something new. At some point in your life, you're going to have to. There's people who've been married for 20 years, 25, 30 years, and then let's say their spouse dies. Now they're forced to, quote, unquote, be by themselves. I won't say be alone because that's a whole different realm. But you're just by yourself. And so they choose to either be with somebody else or they choose to be by themselves. And now they have to figure out what life is like without this other person. And for a lot of people, they have no idea. They have no idea where to start because all they did, their life was built around whatever this other person wanted. Good, bad, or indifferent.
0: So going back to what we said about getting to know yourself, getting to understand what your needs are that goes all the way back. And and when you decide to go to therapy and work on all those things as as I have and things of that nature, they're going to take you all the way back. So what was happening to that little girl? What was happening in that little girl's life that moved through her experience to where she is now as a woman in a relationship? Because those things as as much as we would like to leave some of those things behind, they come into who we have become. They are the ingredients of what we have become. That's the foundation. So what was happening back then that we carried into teenage, that we carried into adult years that allow us to be in these uh, dysfunctional relationships that don't equate with our worth?
1: A lot. Um, I think it goes back to parenting and not so much what the parents did or did not do. It could be the presence of a parent being around. You could have a mother who allowed herself to fall by the wayside and not really be in relationships that were conducive to her or her family. And so you... You learn from experience that my mom accepted this. So therefore, this was the norm. Even though as we grow up, we, we depict right and wrong. Even if it's taught to us a certain way, we depict what is right and what is wrong. And you could say, you know what? I saw my mom go through it. I am choosing not to do that. Or you could say, my mom went through it and this is all I know. So then you choose what path you're going to go down. With the father, you for a woman, the, her father is her first love, right? How her father treats her is going to affect how she responds to men in her life. So it could not be her father. It could be an uncle who practically raised her. That man who steps into her life at a young age and kind of molds her and holds her hand and leads her, that is who she's looking for that is who she is going to try to mimic the man that she wants to be with to be like this person if she loves and respects this person and typically that's her father so if her father's not around or he just decided that neglect was what it's gonna be she don't necessarily know what what's the expectation of a man in her life do you agree Or disagree
0: i agree with some parts um i disagree in other aspects okay um we discussed i think probably in one of our previous episodes in season one about the roles of the father um how in the one question one truth episode where one of the participants was saying how she her father was absent and she wanted him to see her and mm-hmm. so it was important for that man um, to be there and for her to be seen. And, and she wasn't getting that. So that definitely shaped her experience and and what she chose to accept. And then there are people that have present fathers in an everyday capacity, and they might choose to be with somebody that's the complete total opposite of what they saw every day.
1: That's true. But I also feel like, okay, so for the parenting style of it, right? If you have a father who's holding your hand, and he's telling you as you grow up, this is what a man is supposed to do. He's supposed to court you. He's supposed to do this. He's supposed to do that. Again, at some point in time, you choose what's right and what's wrong. You choose what makes sense for you and what doesn't. But if he's there, and he says to you, you know, baby girl, you know, let the man open the door for you. Let him pull your chair out. When you start to go on dates and things like that, that's your initial expectation. Now, if the man that you're with is like, I ain't pulling her chair out. I am opening her door. And she accepts that. Well, there you go. That's something that she's going to find herself accepting down the line because now it's not a big deal. When in reality, it was a big deal in the beginning. You came in with expectations that this is how it's supposed to be. And this person has changed that for you. Well, he has introduced you to something else. And you said, okay, I'll accept this. And that's just one small example Mm -hmm. because it gets way bigger and way deeper than that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But when you think about going back to the beginning, it it all comes
0: from, it all goes back to, to the father being there or, whether he was there or not whether he was there or not it there it has an effect and it takes a toll
1: but just your presence isn't enough so you have fathers who are in the house who are present who are making sure all the bills are paid and doing all that but they're not building that relationship with their child and we're just using women so I'll say daughters they're not building that relationship with their daughters so that they know as they get older, this is what a man is supposed to do and not supposed to do. And I'm sure if if you had enough relationships, th- none of them were the same. They were probably There's probably characteristics that made you think like, "Deck, I did go through this before or that person did used to do this. Now this person does that. But they're not all the same. So it all comes back together from something. But what that something is, I don't know.
0: How does one develop self-worth? I did a little research, and I'm going to share with you what I found. So I found an article by Mateo Sol, and you can find it on lonewolf.com. I'm going to share the link in the description for this episode. It was published earlier this year. And he mentioned that one develops low self-worth for two key reasons. Those reasons are childhood traumas and core wounds, that's the first one. And the second one is to protect oneself against what we fear. In essence, telling yourself you're less than to protect yourself from what you fear. What do you think about that?
1: I think that's pretty accurate. I think a lot of people develop a sense of non self worth because of the things that happen to them in their life. And then also from a mental standpoint, um, what we tell ourselves is important. So if we're not feeding ourselves good, positive energy, we're not going to put out good positive energy.
0: And almost everything goes back to our childhood. I mean, whether how we feel about ourselves, how we see ourselves, how we see others, it all comes back to childhood and then that that self-worth or lack thereof coming from trauma and wounds. I think a lot of things stem from that.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: So, we talked about or you know, that article really highlighted how one develops low self-worth. So how do you build that up? How do you build up your self-worth?
1: So for me, I would say that in developing self-worth, um, it is important to first identify who you are and who you are. Because when you know where you come from, no one can tear you down. Like we, we come from royalty, whether we want to believe that or not. We are special people. We were divinely made. Um, and we have to know that no matter what's going on in our life. So it is important to know who you are and to know whose you are because we're all wonderfully made. Point two on that is in the process of understanding and developing self-worth, I would say that it is imperative to acknowledge one's feelings about where you are mentally and emotionally. Being honest with yourself and the state that you're in, whether good or bad, is important because. We need to grow from that. You agree?
0: Yeah, I do. And and it's important for us to do that work because when we build our self worth, then we're able to build for our children, and it becomes a cycle. When mom does not feel good about herself and who she is, that is projected on the child. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which episode it was with the Yonlo. That's that's my girl. You know, I think I'm her in my head. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How? she was talking about how this woman was pregnant and the circumstances around her pregnancy and everything were so traumatic. And -hmm. the child basically, as she said, steeped in that. Mm -hmm. And so however she felt about that, that's going through the fiber of her being Mm -hmm. and she's carrying that child with that negative energy and with those negative thoughts. So it's very important for us, particularly as women, as black women, to really take care of ourselves and to establish that self-worth because what we do and how we feel about ourselves is projected on our children and in our, you know, in our relationships.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's unfortunate for the, the mother and the child in that situation because when you think about it, the mom, we don't know what trauma was inflicted upon her to make her feel some type of way about herself. This pregnancy may have been one that was unwanted. But maybe she was forced to carry. That mm-hmm. happens at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, feeling that way and projecting that onto her child unknowingly mm-hmm. is a guilt in itself, right? So, for the child to come into this world, and I hear it a lot when people say, oh, they just bad. Oh, he just bad. Oh, she just bad. But where does that come from? Like, where does that come from? Prime example, my guy's brother they have a baby. They're both very mild mannered, very calm, sweet. I've never seen them get upset. Not that they don't. I just never seen it. Um, But they're really cool, calm people. Their child is just like that. She's very mild mannered. She's what's the word that I said? She's bashful. Like there's so much innocence to her in the world. Like when she senses something's not right or not normal and not normal in the sense that it's calm, she kind of wards away from it because she's like, okay, this is not familiar to me, but she was bred into that calmness. So when she came into the world, that's, that's really how she was. So I feel like in that situation, like you said, with the mother and the child, the child comes into the world, screaming his little head off and you don't know why. Cause the, the, the child is just as disturbed as you are. And the environment
0: that they created for for that little girl in mm-hmm. your example. You can see it. it's demonstrated in, in the way she moves, the way mm-hmm. she interacts with people. And just like you said, with the the way you feel about yourself, the, the environment you create, that is gonna be manifesting your children. So mm-hmm. and and as you also mentioned, it's inadvertent sometimes. We don't mean to project these things. On the children. You're not knowingly trying to tear them down, but because there's something broken in you, you don't have the tools to provide anything different.
1: And that so goes like, back to the, like you said, the acknowledgement of where you are, how you feel in any space. You could be in a room full of innocent people, and we talked about this before. If you walk into a room full of innocent people and you are projecting negativity from yourself, you're projecting that onto other people and then the mood changes, the environment changes and nobody knows why. And it's because of the negativity that that you brought in. I always say to people, you know, people will say, "Well, I'm not in the mood today. I I I'm not feeling it." Okay, well, you figure that out. I'll call you back later because you're not bringing that into my space. Mm-hmm. Or You come in, you know, you come into my home and I always say you on (laughs) 10,000, but you're on 10,000 and I'm just trying to be even today. Like I need peace and relaxation today. And you're coming in here on 10,000. You got to go because I I can't get there with you. So yeah. And that's just from a feeling perspective. You don't, you have to not allow people to project onto you things that you don't want in your life or you don't want in your space. And that's something
0: you do when you have self-worth. When you have self-worth, you won't allow these negative things, this negative energy to be in your space because it's not good for you. And because you care about yourself and you think that you're worthy, you won't allow that type of energy around you.
1: I agree. Totally agree. Um, there's another point to that too, because I wrote down three things. One, mm-hmm. again, being identifying who you are and whose you are. Two, being Um, acknowledging one's feelings Mm -hmm. and mental state. And then three is being willing to be open, honest, and communicate. I say communication because a lot of people say you have to teach people how to treat you. Well, if people are treating you bad and you're not saying anything about it, it's never going to stop. Whether they know they're treating you bad or not, the behavior doesn't stop because you're not stepping up for yourself. When you have true self-worth, you're not going to let people walk all over you. You're not going to let people talk, you know, all about you. Um, You're going to speak up for yourself. And so it is important to speak up for yourself, communicate what needs to happen, what doesn't need to happen, and just be honest. Like, there's nothing wrong with being honest. It may hurt people's feelings, but better theirs than yours. like, you need to live in your own peace. And I don't mean that maliciously, but like, if a person is not, if they, they may not know that, they're, that they don't have your best interests at heart. But when you realize that that's not the case in this space and time, you got to be honest about that with yourself and with them. Not today. I can't deal with it. And you just move on from it. Let's try this again tomorrow.
0: So in keeping with the, the question, how does one develop self-worth, the question that followed after that is, how does one lose self-worth? So we mentioned in, in the first part how you develop low self-worth from the childhood trauma and the wounds and then trying to protect yourself from things that you fear. How else do you think people lose self-worth?
1: I think that people lose self-worth by allowing other people to take advantage of them. And that goes back to, like you said in the beginning, childhood trauma. Like, where did you learn that that behavior was okay for someone to just take advantage of you? And being taken advantage of, there's levels to that. What, you know what I'm saying? It's not just the extreme, like molestation and things like that, abuse. It could be the way that a person talks to you a way that a person dismantles you in front of in front of the, the likes of other people it could be talking about you behind your back and that's that talking about about you behind your back but then being a friend in your face that's taking advantage of you you're not my friend if you're talking about me behind my back if you only come to me when you need something and i can never rely on you that's taking advantage of a person and a lot of people will feel some type of way about themselves, because although they give, 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 they're not getting anything in return, which will make them feel some
0: type of way. And like you said, it goes back to the childhood traumas, because the things that you experience as a child will then allow you to be put in a position where you will allow other people to take advantage of you. For example, as a kid, (laughs) my experience was whenever something happened, where there was a group of children, And something happened, something bad happened. When it came back to my parents, it was always my fault. So when even knowing the circumstances, everything that took place, where it's being given to you, where it's being delivered to you from, those other parents are coming to you and this happened and that happened. It's your fault. You should have done something different. You should have this, you should have that. When a child hears something like that all the time, it can damage their, um, their self-esteem, especially when the child, you should know the character of your child, Mm -hmm. not to say that your child won't do this or that, but you, you can listen sometimes to things that have happened and you know, whether or not your child was involved and in what capacity, Mm -hmm. because you know, the character of your child, Mm -hmm. then to also be the child accused, and not have anybody standing with you not even your parents Mm -hmm. because then they're saying you know then you know that was your fault you should have done this that or the other basically reprimanding you in front of the other people and everything when you know that you had it it was not your fault
1: that does something to a child's self-esteem would that be considered character shaming because you are basically saying that I am not this person that I am. Like, I am this person. I am, I am a great child, for example. And you as my parent know that I am a great child. But because I got caught up in a situation, and as my parents, you know that it's not in my character to do these things, you're still impeding that upon me. You're saying, well, you should have done better, when in reality, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So you are character shaming me, saying that you're not who I thought you were. When in reality, I am that. I am a good kid. And if those two people don't stand
0: with you, what do you think that says to a child? What does that make her think about the rest of the world? Well, Mm -hmm. if I'm not worthy enough to be stood up for by the people that are supposed to love me the most, what, what will anybody else do? Or what must anybody else think of me?
1: Mm-hmm. And will I ever be good enough? That's a good point. Like, that's a really good point. Because the parents set the bar mm-hmm. for the child and in their upbringing to say, you know, we got your back regardless. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody in this world needs to know that there is one person that they can depend on. And for most people, it is their parents. Mm-hmm. You brought me into this world, you care for me, you're supposed to care for me down. Mm-hmm. Like with no questions asked. And even if I was wrong, deal with me later by ourselves. Don't mm-hmm.
0: impugn me in front of other people.
1: Yeah. To that further embarras-
0: and further tear down.
1: That embarrassment will definitely jack you up. Yeah. Like it will jack you up for years to come. Mhm. Um That's so funny you say that Um, I remember being in school and there was this guy in my class and I want to say I was probably like, maybe I was in fifth grade, but I'll never forget this day. He was being bad in school and he was the considered the class clown, right? Well, he was the class clown because lo and behold, he had low self-esteem. So that was his way of getting out of being talked about or feeling lesser than what he was. And one day, he was doing the whole class clown thing, and the teacher called his mom. Without warning, she came in there because nobody knew what was happening or whatever. Mind you, you're already the class clown for a reason. You have low self-esteem. You do this so that you're not picked on. Um, we don't know what's going on in your home life. And like I said, um, but don't say anybody. The mom comes in the class with her pajamas on, slippers and all, and commits the whooping his ass. In front of the entire classroom he never recovered from that that's humiliating never recovered from that and he was a young boy he never recovered from that and you think that he got picked on before he really got picked on after that situation and we were young like you know we were still in elementary school i cannot even imagine the stories people would go back and relive and retell about him in his later years. Like, how do you recover from that? That should have never happened. And Mm -hmm. like you said, despite what I'm doing, reprimand me in a, in a better way Mm -hmm. than, than this because Mm -hmm. you have made things 10 times worse for me by doing what you did. But yeah, he, I mean, he was I don't want to say he was a bad kid, but like I said, he was the class clown, always interrupting, cracking jokes, not listening, not doing his work. So I get it, but there were so many other ways that they could have went about reprimanding him besides her coming in with the belt. And, and she legit what came with the belt. What was going
0: on with that mom that made her feel like that was okay for her to come in there and act like that?
1: I feel like it was embarrassment. Embarrassment on her part. Maybe her pride was bruised because now I gotta c- come up to this school because your teacher's calling me, telling me that you ain't acting right. Don't get me wrong, my mom threatened us too. If I, had, I got, she would say if I have to come up to that school, it's gonna be a problem. Well, let's just say she never had, she never had to come up to the school <laughs> because we already knew what was happening and we didn't want no parts, okay? And I feel like if you could beat your child, I mean, she beat the hell out of him if you could beat your child like that in front of a classroom full of children and staff, what are you doing to him behind closed doors? Which in turn, you have to question what kind of parenting skills is happening here for your child to be acting out in the first place. Mm -hmm. So let's take accountability on that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What are one of the other ways
0: one loses self-worth? You mentioned being naive about the world and people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being naive will get, being naive will allow people to take advantage of you, mm-hmm. right? When yep. you don't know no better, they will take advantage of you. When you think you know better, they will take advantage of you. So you have to know the position and what you're put in, the people that you're around, and what's really happening. Because if you don't, you will be taken advantage of. And in any situation, when you're taken advantage of, that damages how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. It really does.
0: And when you when you feel less about yourself, it'll also allow you to accept the things that that serve new no purpose in your life. Exactly. I, I totally agree. You'll accept whatever. You will allow whatever. You allow people to do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Now that we talked about those things. Let's go on to question three. So question three: How much of one's self worth? is wrapped up in physical appearance?
1: So when I read the question, I had to stop for a second and really contemplate on that because that's an interesting question, but it's also not an easy one to answer. So I think it depends on the person because if you have a high level of self-worth, although physical appearances matter, you are comfortable in your skin. Like, you don't, you don't feel the need to go above and beyond to please the likings of other people. But I want to say for average people, mm, it's probably 50-50. Average, average how? Average people, like, probably, I mean, in the world, like. I mean, you mean average looking people, average Like everyday Joe, like, what do you mean? Yeah. Just people in general, just Mm -hmm. in general, I feel like it's, it's 50 50. I don't, I don't, we all, let me go back. Cause we, we understand the importance of self-worth, but I feel like we all have our days where we're not at our best. We're not a hundred percent. And on those days, despite how we felt, cause Friday, I might be feeling myself, I'm a thousand, right? But then, on Sunday, I might be feeling like a a ten and a ten is not good, no, 10 <laughs> but is good. ten is good a ten is not good compared to a thousand. I'm feeling oh, like oh, a th-
0: oh, 10. okay, my scale was yeah. off. go ahead.
1: I'm feeling like a thousand <laughs> on Friday, but on Sunday, I'm only feeling like a ten on that Sunday where I'm feeling like a ten the, the my appearance matters to me. How I look at myself that day where my, my my I feel like my self-worth and my self-esteem is down, how I look is going to matter. So the question was how much of one's self-worth is wrapped up in physical appearance? I guess to clarify that, I want to say fifty fifty. It's fifty fifty. Your self-worth is wrapped up in how you view yourself, how you look at yourself. Okay. I see what you're saying. I personally don't,
0: uh, don't have a lot of uh, thoughts around my self-worth, per se, based on what I look like. Worth. So,
1: esteem? So, self-esteem uh, is affected by appearance. Self-worth, not necessarily. hmm Yeah. Okay. I will rephrase that, then. Self-worth in itself is not really wrapped up in the way that you look. Um, well, because look,
0: but that's that's from our our perspective. There are people that feel less than because they're overweight, okay? Yeah, you know, and and I mean, as a person, they feel less than, mm-hmm. or they may feel as a person less than because they can't wear certain labels, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and you know, that ties into appearance. Um, they may feel less than because they don't have the shape that they want mm-hmm. as a person they feel that deeply so i think it. i think it's a little bit multifaceted
1: there it, it's definitely a, a fine line between mm-hmm. work and esteem mm-hmm. and you really have to identify which one of those are you leaning towards more mm-hmm. when it comes to appearance and we know that everybody's self-esteem is affected by appearance in in some shape or form because how you look to the world and how you look to yourself matters whether you want to believe that or not. Oh, it matters. It matters. Yeah. But the worth of it like you're right, there are people who feel bad about themselves because they can't wear Gucci mm-hmm. or because th- they can't wear Chanel, which that shouldn't even matter, but it does. Especially in the circles that you're in, right? Mm-hmm if you are we we had um one of one of our podcast participants talk about how he wants to get a new car, right? And he wants to get a new car not because it will make him feel better, but because when you think about it, he's working in a realm with other professionals who drive Porsche's and BMWs and all those fancy cars, right? Audis. They drive in all of that. And he coming in with a Toyota, so he could definitely feel some type of way like, well, am I worthy of being in the same group that they're in because I drive this, and they drive that, or they wear designer suits, and and I'm coming in with, I don't know, what's a low budget suit brand? <laughs> oh, but you know, know what with I'm Stacey saying. Stacy Adams. I don't know. So he's coming in with Stacy Adams, and they coming in decked out with. With there you go wait k and, g. k and g k and g okay but you know he's coming in with k and g no disrespect to nobody wearing k and g but he's coming in with k and g and they got on designer i don't know louis vuitton outfits like then he has to question his worth. am i worthy of being in the group with these particular professionals because i don't have the money they have I don't have the style they have. I don't have the ability to purchase the things that they can afford. That could definitely affect his, his feeling of self-worth in in that form, mm-hmm. because you're not lining up with everybody else. Maybe you're not worthy.
0: Mm-hmm. And then so not so much of what one looks like, but how much money one has. How does that you know factor into how you feel about yourself especially as you mentioned with the groups of people that you're around there's a lot of comparing happening i think that kind of leads into our next question with the social media that question is how much does social media impact self-worth and self-esteem and that's where that comparing comes in mm-hmm. because everybody when when he goes to work that person that you mentioned before he sees these people these these professionals and they've attained that and he's physically there with them he sees that but on social media everyone shows you what they want you to see mhm so you're seeing this person with the the bands stacks of money which I I won't even say much about that but then you're feeling a certain type of way about that person having that much or you see that person posing in front of their huge house with their beautiful car and you're living in a one bedroom apartment and then you're comparing, well, if they can do that, they must be this or that. So that makes me only this or that.
1: I agree. And social media is full of so much uh, fake news, as they say. People, people have the opportunity to display to you what they want you to see. Um, the, the, the people who develop um, Instagram, I read an article, and I'll have to find it, where he talked about that. Like, he talked about how this platform was put out to get people connected. But what ended up happening is he realized that people were were using it for different means, not just to connect. But it became some somewhat of a negative thing because people were, they weren't showing you their real life. They were showing you what they wanted you to see. And what they wanted you to see was the glitz and the glamour, not the bad stuff, just the good stuff. And what started happening and which we, we commented on, people start to believe that what they're seeing is real and that their lives should, should be just as glamorous as the people on IG. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, there has been, and I have been busted and disgusted and taken photos and posted them for a reason, though, just to show you that, all the glitz and glam is not my every day, but there are some days where, yeah, I, I'm i feeling myself. So let me go ahead and post that, but that's not my every day. And if And if you don't see the bad things that are happening in people's lives, you really can't believe all the good because it's not that all the time. And we can't be sucked into that. We can't be sucked into what we see as being real in turn making us feel less than because we don't have what we think they have. And what they have may not be real either.
0: Right. They're only showing you what they want you to see um, with the filter that they want you to see it through. (laughs) Um,
1: Damn filters.
0: (laughs) They can distort it, but then there's the other side. Those things may be real, but instead of being able to go ahead and applaud and be congratulations I'm glad you did such and such then you start thinking about yourself and why I haven't or why I can't so social media you know there's a balancing act that has to happen there mm-hmm. and you take what you see with a grain of salt but you also don't absorb that into yourself and make judgments about yourself based on mm-hmm. what you see
1: hmm And I I feel like that's why on my on my Instagram, on my personal Instagram page, um, I'm very selective about what I post, the consistency of what I post. I started the 30 days of positivity and affirmation for that reason, because I needed to for me, I felt like I needed to break up the monotony of the fashion world to break up, you know, what everybody deemed as being real. Or not. And then on, on a lot of my news feed, it's a lot of negativity, a lot of negativity. And so to break up what, what I felt like people were seeing based on what I was seeing was I was going to put out something positive. And I would do that for 30 days. And just to see the difference. Um, there's one person that I follow. And he posts. Um, I don't know where he gets it from, but. He posts something every day. It's like a calendar, and I like every single post because I actually look forward to what the post is going to say for the day, and it's nothing but positivity. So when I'm on there, I check that first. I like that, and then I move on. And like I said, you you never know what's what you're going to come across. You have no control over that. But we need more positivity. Um, in the social media space and we need authenticity like like I said being real every day is not a good day and that's okay Mm -hmm. and every day you don't have a face full of makeup that's okay
0: the other factor about social media um, not just what you see but are the likes the number of likes that you get on a certain post or the number of views or the number of comments people compare and judge based on that as well. They so it's do. not just the, um, you know, what you see, but it's also the reaction that you get from other people about what you have posted.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes it Well, it does. I didn't even think about that. Um, the likes and the comments and you know you post something worth viewing or so you assume and you get five likes and then somebody (laughs) posts some bullshit and they get 250 likes and you're like well what's wrong with me nothing's wrong with you people saw it Mm -hmm. you 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 got to the people who you wanted to get to it doesn't make you less than and you shouldn't allow it like we we have to stop allowing what's happening on the outside, truly affect who we are and how we feel about ourselves. Yep. Social media, the news, stuff we read, we, we have to know better. And that goes back to my original response. When you know who you are and you know who you are, none of this outside stuff matters.
0: You have to do that internal work. Yeah. And as we mentioned in the beginning, you have to tear down some of those traumas. You have to tear down some of that old way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot stress it enough. <clears throat> it is so very important for our community to seek out mental health assistance. There's so much generational trauma that that we carry as a people in our community mm-hmm. that mental health is so important. You have to go, you have to speak to a therapist. I mean, you have to speak to at least someone you trust. You have to talk about these things. Otherwise, they fester within you, and then you start building up these irrational thoughts um, about yourself and about what is happening around you. Sometimes you just have to unpack all of that stuff with a trusted confidant or a therapist so you can filter through that stuff. Mm -hmm. and really get to like you said really get to know who you are and whose you are and the the depth of I can't think of the word but just just how much just being you is valuable
1: it matters
0: when when I was in elementary school we used to say every morning I am unique there's no one else like me I am special I love that. how sweet is that? I love but that It's something to reinforce every day when those children came in there. If they didn't hear it at home, they heard it at school.
2: Mm-hmm. Not only
0: did they hear it at school, they said it at school, and when you say something, you can speak it into existence. so tearing down those those generational curses those those generational traumas and then speaking softly and kindly and lovingly to yourself makes a difference
1: yeah it does i agree okay so when you get
0: a chance just a little reading material for you all to think about as you are developing self-worth and self-love is an article that i found on um, a website called unspokenwomen.com i'll share the link for that one as well in the description for this episode and it is entitled Motivation, A Black Woman's Guide to Self-Love. And it talks about some of the forces that, that affect the way we feel about ourselves, especially living in a culture where our standards of beauty and self-worth are not as high as they would be <clears throat> somewhere else. But this mm-hmm. article, um, it gives you, it's very concise. It gives you three key steps on ways to work on building yourself up, developing self-love, the first step is to achieve, the first step to achieving self-love is to acknowledge and list all of the things you love about yourself. That's something that you can do. You can sit down and write it out. And when you do that, the first time it may not necessarily be easy. Um, because everybody doesn't feel good about themselves, but there are good qualities about yourself, and when you write them down, and when you can see them, that makes a difference. Um, That's just one of the steps that's in this article, so I'm going to share the link with you guys, so you can read it, and I found it inspiring, and I'm hoping that when you read it, you do too.
1: And also to add to that, if you get a chance to read the article, um, you find it interesting and you want to talk about it, we are open to having guest speakers on the podcast and we can kind of go over your thoughts and feelings in regards to the information that you are getting. So feel free to reach out to us via IG, Facebook, and also through our email address at from her point of view, LLC at (laughs) gmail.com.
2: You've been listening to From Her Point of View, the show curated specifically for women by women, covering a wide range of topics. Though this is From Her Point of View, we want your point of view too. Become a part of the show. Questions, comments, and feedback are welcome through Instagram and Facebook, where we post regularly. Email us at fromherpointofviewllc at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 443-507-8032. Tune in weekly and please share with your family and friends as we can be found on your favorite platforms, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you for listening to From Her Point of View.